الحمد لله رب العالمين يا رب لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك ولعظيم سلطانك وقل الحمد لله سيريكم آياته وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله لا معبود بحق سواه وهو الذي في السماء رب وإله يعبد ويطاع وفي الأرض رب وإله يعبد ويطاع وأشهد أن سيدنا وهادينا وأولنا وسابقنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما كان لمؤمن ولا مؤمنة إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيرة من أمرهم من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا يضل أبدا ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا يهدى أبدا اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنه أما بعد Dear committed Muslims, dear committed brothers and dear committed sisters We are about a month from the climax of the Hajj when the Muslim pilgrims stand on Mount Arafat and the following day they perform the sacrifice and because that kingdom that is in control of the Hajj has been so disobedient and deviant and even diabolic that we should probe the chaos and the bloodshed that they've caused to go to the roots of their unbecoming attitude and policies there's an ayah in the Quran I think it's ayah number 59 in Surat An-Nisa in which Allah 
تبارك وتعالى says يا أيها الذين آمنوا أطيعوا الله وأطيعوا الرسول وأولي الأمر منكم It is healthy for us to revisit the meaning of this ayah. It goes on, when اختلفتم في شيء فردوه إلى الله والرسول, etc. It is healthy for us to rejoin this ayah and spend a few minutes with its meanings. Because the deviation of the meaning of this ayah has caused extremist Muslims on one side and other types of extremist Muslims on the other side. We're going to deal now with the extremist Muslims who misunderstand and misinterpret and miscommunicate the meanings of this ayah. Obviously those are the ones who toe the line of official Saudi policies. So listen, let's be calm and approach this with a measured pace Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says these are not hard words to understand the ayah begins by saying ya ayyuhalladhina amanu Allah here is calling upon alladhina amanu I don't think it's very difficult to define Alladhina Amanu. Alladhina Amanu in a few words are those Muslims who have gone a notch above their Islam and therefore they honor their commitment to Allah. And there are ayat in the Qur'an, many ayat that begin with Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu. So if you want further information and more clarification about who alladhina amanu are, go to the, those ayat. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, kutiba alaykumul qital. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, kutiba alaykumul siyam. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اِتَّقُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ تُقَاتِهِ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا in one surah and the other until the end of the Qur'an. You follow that for your own self. Because if I begin on this explanation, the time is over and I can't get to what I'm trying to explain. So this ayah, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Listen, with your hearts and your minds, both. Allah is saying to Alladhina Amanu, Allaha. Obey Allah. 
any difficulty in that? I think everyone understands. Up until this point, everyone understands. It's from this point onwards that we begin to encounter the confusion and the extremists. Ya ayyuha alladhina amanu, ati'u allaha wa ati'u rasul. Allah is saying, obey Allah. He's talking to Alladina Amanu. Remember, He's saying, obey Allah and obey the Messenger, meaning Allah's Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Before we go on, you should ask yourself. When Allah is saying, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, He's speaking about a group of people that have expired. We no longer have alladheena amanu. If we have alladheena amanu in the world, then we have to have the ta'a of Allah, the obedience of Allah, and the obedience of the Prophet. The obedience of Allah and the Prophet cease to exist when Alladina Amanu cease to exist. As long as there are Alladina Amanu, there has to be Ta'atullah wa Ta'atu Rasulah. It's not very difficult to understand. Here is where the following sentence, here's where Many people, because we have lax minds, we fall short, which falling short generates the extremists. Allah follows this up. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, ati'u allaha wa ati'u rasula wa ulil amri minkum. Notice that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say for the third time وَأَطِيعُوا أُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ That's not the way the ayah is put together. Go, read it, open your Qur'an and see. It says أَطِيعُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُوا الرَّسُولَ وَأُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ If you think, and it's not very hard to think through this, if you just apply your thought, your mind, and you realize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say, وَأَطِيعُوا أُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ Because أُولُوا amr are not on the same level of Allah and His Prophet. If they were on the same level, he would have said, وَأَطِيعُوا أُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ What's hard to understand about this? I, I can't figure it out. But some people, they have difficulties. This little mental effort, they can't exert to realize that the primary ta'a, the primary obedience, is due to Allah and His Prophet and the secondary 
or the following secondary obedience is due to Ulil Amr. And remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at the last word in this, wa ulil amri min kum. Kum kaf meem. That's a pronoun. That pronoun refers back to Alladina Amanu. In other words, if if we wanted to explain this ayah at the expense of doing away with the balagha, with the eloquence of the Qur'an, we would say it like this. Ya ayyuhalladhina aman, ati'u allaha wa ati'u rasoola wa uli al-amri min alladhina amanu. Is there anything difficult in understanding this? Now, this is what the ayah says. I'm just trying to explain to you the meanings of the ayah. So what, how, how did the misunderstanding of this ayah, how did that generate the fanatics that we have among Sunnis and Shi'is? How, how did this happen? It happened like this. This is my humble explanation to you. It happened like this. We, the readers of the Quran, have lost the communicative element between us and the Quran, meaning between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We lost that communication. So what I just explained to you is some of the meanings that we lost. It doesn't mean that if we lost the meanings, we cannot regain them. No. We certainly can. So we have some fanatics. I don't want to be more specific. We have some fanatics. They read the ayah exactly as it is written in the Quran. No one misreads the ayah. But many people especially the fanatics, they misunderstand and they misexplain the ayah. That's the problem. So, they read it, yeah, exactly as it is. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu ati'u allaha wa ati'u rasoola wa uli al-amri minkum. Everyone reads it like that. But not everyone understands what it means. Because when you come to some of these fanatics, the ones especially in Saudi Arabia, they will explain the ayah the way I'm going to quote it now, or the way I'm going to word it now. They will say, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu ati'u allaha warrasoola wa uli al-amri minkum. In other words, their understanding of the ayah omitted, cancelled out the second itaha, which is due to Allah's Prophet. The ta'a of Allah and the ta'a of Allah's Prophet are on one level. 
they are equal to each other but another group of fanatics they are also in Saudi Arabia that's why Saudi Arabia is conflicted with these fanatics they will understand the ayah in the following wording Ya ayyuhal ladhina aman ati'u allaha wa ati'u rasula wa ati'u uli al-amri minkum both of these understandings of the ayah are incorrect a step forward both of these understandings are wrong one of the issues that we have among our 14 centuries of Muslims up until now we have two blocks of Muslims the Sunnis and the Shias the Sunnis generally speaking remember when I use these words I don't mean any first of all I don't have in my mind any particular individual I'm speaking about a trend that has built itself up throughout these 14th centuries until we reach today we have you know in a prophet's hadith in in this hadith is accepted by all Muslims and then there's another uh, version of this hadith with the continuation in this hadith Allah's Prophet is saying I left you with two very significant things the book of Allah and the itra of my Ahl al-Bayt as long as you hold on to them you will never go astray all the Muslims have this hadith in their books of hadith the problem is we could not cooperate with each other we parted company and let me be more frank with this the Sunnis with all the interceding ignorance they held on to the book of Allah and they sort of marginalized Itrata Rasulillah may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his that's one development in our history another development in our history is those in the Shi'i context who held on to the itra of Rasulullah and then they sort of marginalized the book of Allah 
It doesn't take much to discover this. Go to their functions, go to the, wherever you go, you will see that they need each other, but that because one of them carried one half of the responsibility, and the other one carried another half of the responsibility, but none of them were able to carry all of this responsibility together in an equal manner. Underline, in an equal manner. Therefore, we have those who emphasize nowadays the Qur'an, there's tafsirs of the Qur'an. And these tafsirs of the Qur'an are not very much welcomed by those who emphasize the itra of Rasulullah. And then there is the struggle of the itra of Rasulullah that is marginalized by those who gave priority to the Qur'an. There's no balance in this. This is an overview. What I just explained to you is an overview. Muslims, some Muslims, the Sunnis, let me be helpful in this regard, they put most of their efforts centered around the Qur'an and the understanding of the Qur'an with all the ignorance that we're still suffering from. Allah explains this and that's a commendable effort even though it's, it's punctured with relative ignorance. On the other side, there is an emphasis, an overdue emphasis on al-ma'soom. At the expense of al-kitab al-mahfuz. There's an imbalance here. And the fanatics on both sides, they have victimized those who can be bridges between these both, both of these sides. It's a fact of life. We're living it now. Even our presence here in the street proves it. Now, a little more information about the particular fanatics in Saudi Arabia who call themselves Salafis. Their chapter begins with the 1990 U.S. invasion of the Gulf area that resulted in another Gulf War and, quote-unquote, the liberation of Kuwait. When the American troops were sent to that part of the world, Al-Ard al-Haram, Al-Ard al-Muqaddasa. The Islamic types were split into two categories. Those who endorsed it and favored foreign 
troops in the Arabian Peninsula and in the Gulf and those who were opposed to it that's when the troublemaking inside the Muslim psychology and inside Muslim societies began so what did they do these Salafis they point-blank said that Wali al-Amr has to be obeyed that's in reference to the king at the time who was he King Fahd followed by King Abdullah those were called Awliya al-Amr Waliya al-Amr they have to be followed they even have some recordings saying they have to be followed even if they are kafirs how can this be how can you follow these types of decision makers when they don't follow Allah and his prophet but this is where the whole issue began and there were two personalities two professors at the Al-Jami'a Al-Islamiyya in Al-Madinah one of them is called Al-Jami his last name is Al-Jami who died in 1996 and the other one is called Al-Midkhali who was born in 1932 both of them were teaching at the Islamic University in Al-Madinah in the Qism of Hadith of course and they began this movement in other words basically if I wanted to be blunt about it they were recruited by Saudi intelligence to cause a split among the Islamic scholars concerning how far and for how long are we going to be second fiddle to the Saudi wealthy ruling family and it continues up until this very moment that's why you have scores of Saudi scholars behind bars now because they don't agree that they should rubber stamp the Saudi decisions that are made with instructions from Tel Aviv and Washington it's a fact of life that we are living so they say unconditional and complete obedience to Wali al-Amr in other words they they don't even have the courage to say the king they can't describe a person by his own title they want to paint him with a favorable color so they call him Wali al-Amr and they'll call him the king he calls himself the king Sahib al-Sumu Sahib al-Jalala Al-Malik al-Mufadda these are their words that they use but these types of recruits Salafi fanatical recruits on behalf of the CIA and Mossad what is Saudi intelligence nothing they, they couldn't 
They couldn't even figure out how to get get rid of one of their own. They bungled an assassination in Istanbul, Turkey, by killing, see, by sawing, using a saw to cut the body of one of their closest accomplices. And since that time, brothers and sisters, remember this fits in a historical continuum. This didn't happen in a vacuum. It's in a historical continuum. So the next time, if you open the Quran to Surah An-Nisa, and you read Ayah 59, Ya ayyuha al-lazina amanu, ati'u allaha, وَأَطِيعُوا الرَّسُولَ وَأُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ I may also add here in the Shi'i context this does not this understanding of the ayah وَأُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ does not sit comfortably with the traditionalists or with the reactionaries or with the status quo types who say what do you mean how can how can there be a ta'a of wali al-amr when al-imam al-masum is not here is not functioning is not being playing out his role how can this be they say and this goes back these are terrible memories I don't want to open up sad chapters of the recent past but when Imam al-Khumayni rahmatullahi alayhi when he was in al-Najaf the grand marja there was ayatullah muhsin al-Hakim and he would tell people, don't go to that man and listen to him. He's a troublemaker. Where did this come from? Obviously, there is a certain misunderstanding that the traditional Hawzawi ulama still carry, just like the Saudi traditionalists, both of them misunderstand the meanings of this ayah may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us and guide them and guide all of us out of the predicament that we are in because these types of misunderstandings and deviations are costing us dearly we're paying for this with our blood with our lives with our societies with our countries, with our future. That's how we are paying the price. Allahumma ja'alna min al-lazina yastami'oon al-qawl fayattabi'oon ahsanah aqoolu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullaha li wa lakum ud'uhu subhanah wa antum ala yaqeenin bil-ijabah wa tubu ila Allah inna Allah tawabun rahim
الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters, out of this unstable structure of thought and ideas, it's all right, we can face our own deficiencies and our own inadequacies. We can do it and we can surmount our weakness if we identify our problems, that doesn't mean we are adding more problems. No. When we do that, we are trying to diminish the problems that we have. What do you think? You're, some people think they're smart. They want to only discuss these types of matters behind closed doors. How are we going to solve our issues if our problems are not the possession of our people. If we don't hand over our problems to our own selves, that means we don't have confidence in ourselves. If I can't express to you our common problem, you think the world is a vacuum? We don't have enemies who understand these areas and work on them? That's exactly what they have been doing throughout these years. Because we have a status quo masajid, Islamic centers, speakers, etc. So we have. No one wants to breach these issues. Now we come as we usually do to that evil kingdom in that holy land. Especially when we are approaching the days of Hajj. The first plane that carried pilgrims on it landed last Thursday, eight days ago, landed in the Arabian Peninsula. And from now on, planes galore are going to be landing and others coming by ship and others going by land all of them towards Mecca and Al Medina in this as this is taking place we take a look at those who make it very difficult for Muslims to go to the Hajj and Umrah but are making it extremely easy for those who want to go to attend festivals entertainment performances, resorts that are being build, uh, built on the Red Sea. It's easy. You know, you can electronically, they tell you, you can within three minutes obtain an electronic visa to go to wherever you want in Saudi Arabia. 
But here we are, Muslims of the world, if we want to go to Mecca and Al Medina, and that's all the Muslims are asking for. They should be asking for more. They should say, I, we want to go to Ta'if. We want to go to Khaybar. We want to go to these other places that the Prophet was in. Oh, no, no. You're only limited to Mecca and Al Medina. And it takes time to obtain your visa. A new requirement this year, year came to my attention. Now, when Muslims are applying for a visa to go to Hajj, they are asked about their madhab. This was not a requirement in the past. You didn't have a form that asked you, what madhab are you? Why are they asking this question? And they say they're opening up. This Muhammad ibn Salman says, he wants Saudi Arabia to return to the years prior to 1979. Okay, if you want yourself to return to those years, number one, get out of the Islamic Center in Washington, D.C. You didn't have control of the Cathedral Islamic Center in Washington, D.C. prior to 1979. So get out if you are true to your word, but you're a liar. All of these things that are you are doing is for public consumption. The sister of this crown prince, call him the king, because his father is virtually in his grave he doesn't know how to think he doesn't know how to talk he can't put a couple of ideas together so his sister is supposed to appear in court this past week in Paris and she absconded she didn't go to court why some laborer was abused physically abused by her bodyguard and this turns out to be an Egyptian workman a handyman of, of, of sorts went to court why doesn't she appear in court if she didn't do anything wrong they go to court and turn the case against the the person who brought the issue to court. We have the Israeli foreign minister who goes to Abu Dhabi. Now they're flying over Saudi Arabia to Abu Dhabi, the United Arab Emirates. And he says we should get on with this rail connection between Haifa and the Persian Arabian Gulf. We should build this post haste. Look what they're doing. They're selling out. Masjid al-Aqsa is no longer a consideration. Al-Quds is no longer a consideration. The Palestinians are no longer a consideration. Just this past week, the mother of Muhammad ibn Nayef before Muhammad bin Salman became the crown prince Muhammad ibn Nayef his 
cousin was the crown prince. Of course, he shoved him aside and now Muhammad ibn Nayef is under virtual house arrest. He can't leave the kingdom except by special permission, etc. Anyway, his mother dies. Muhammad ibn Nayef's mother dies. And MBS doesn't show up at her funeral. This is, they want to, these are cousins. I mean, this person who passed away is MBS's uncle's wife. And he doesn't go to her funeral. And they want to speak to us about Islam. The chairman, there's a president of that entertainment department that they created about a year or so ago. He went on WhatsApp soliciting information to improve entertainment in Saudi Arabia. What did he get on his site? He got thousands, if not tens of thousands of requests for the economic well-being of the people. So he had to shut down that chat because people were not responding in the way that he thought was possible. This kingdom that has colonized the Arabian Peninsula, not many people know this, but let's let's make it a piece of information. At least you who listen to this khutbah will know about it. In the 1970s, South Korea was a developing country. What happened that that was off the radar and off the screen many people don't know about. What happened was instructions coming out of Washington and going to Riyadh and Jeddah told them to bring over a contingent and we're talking about tens of thousands of South Korean technicians and experts in their technical fields Bring them over to Saudi Arabia. And never do the Saudis say no to those who are in Washington, D.C. Never. And so tens of thousands of South Koreans came to Arabia. Many of them, the majority of them, were in the age of military service. Half of their salary that was paid by the Saudi government to them, half of it went to the South Korean government to defray their absence from military service. Saudi Arabia was buying Boeings for the South Korean government. This is in the 1970s and 80s. It was buying Boeing airplanes for the South Korean government that they said among themselves they didn't make this a public news item i don't think any of us are aware of this so they said this is part of our business transaction with south korea to de develop that country and sure enough in a matter of two or three decades south korea has joined the first world 
because of the money that belongs to the Muslims. The Saudis could have done this with Egypt. They could have done this with Iraq or Syria. They could have done it with Morocco or Algeria. Other qualifying Muslim countries that could have experienced an economic and industrial boom. But no. Who is more deserving of Muslim money, according to the Saudis, and their midkhalis and their jamis, these fanatical Salafi types of scholars, they'll find a rationalization for that. Harvard University, that well-known university in Boston, Massachusetts, it has canceled its agreement with a foundation that belongs to MBS. Harvard University puts aside scholarships for 800 students in the world. Out of those 800, 100 of them used to come through this foundation belonging to MBS. Finally, in this past week or two, Harvard University said no. We no longer are going to accept these scholarships that are allocated to the foundation of MBS for a hundred Saudi students coming to study here in the United States. A couple of months ago, the Kennedy uh, faculty or college or center department at the University of Harvard, at Harvard University, told Turki al-Faisal, used to be the U.S. ambassador here in Washington for a brief two or three years, told him that they, he was scheduled to go and give a presentation there. They canceled it. They rescinded their invitation to him, said, we don't want you to come anymore. Some people, and what is all of this meant to do? When we, These and other things, I know you know some other developments. What is all of this carrot and stick thing with the Saudis by the Zionists and the imperialists? What do they mean to do? They mean to milk the budget of the Saudis of the maximum amount of money they can get out of them. You can see it in the, in the Congress. They said, we're going to withhold the $8 billion worth of weapons we're going to send to you because of your war in Yemen and your killing of Khashoggi. And then Trump goes, soft talk them, say, look, I have a Congress on my back. They don't want to give you this money. What are you going to do? They're going to say, well, what do you want? Well, we want you to purchase more arms. You have to invest in our economy. So they trap them. This is what is going on because the Muslim mind on these Fridays, in these masajid, on the occasions of Umrah and Hajj, when they come together, they are not permitted to think like this. We can remember Shaykh Rashid al-Ghannushi, who had contacts indirectly with the Saudis. In the last decade, he tried to go to Saudi Arabia to perform the Hajj. And what did they do? And uh, This is not public news. They went to him in his hotel rooms and they took him out in his underwears from his hotel room. As 
Saudis themselves report. All of this is happening on our watch. And then there, right now we have the Saudi media in high gear against Turkey. Telling the Saudis, don't go and spend your time in Turkey. In the first two months of this year, January and February, this is the solar year, January and February, 20,200 Saudis went as tourists to Turkey. And many Saudis now are turned on by different Turkish TV serials. Now with satellite TV, almost every country is everywhere in the world. And the Saudi government wants to cut this flow of people because it gets very hot in the Arabian Peninsula during the summer. And many of these Saudi national nationals or citizens, they go to Turkey where there's much more acceptable weather climate this past week remember brothers and sisters we know what Saudi Arabia was in our lifetime we're not speaking history here when a person doesn't when the Adhan is called and a person doesn't close his shop and go and pray he's subject to a penalty well, you know what's happening right now? Officially, the, these types of Salafi fanatic informers and spies and agents, they are telling the public there that has been inculcated for generations with jama'a prayers. They're telling them, Salatul jama'a is a sunnah. It is not a fard. They began to utter these words in the past week or ten days. What is what is this? And they and they added to that. They said, "And you're not you're not obliged to close your stores." And this is this is what they are saying. They say they say that these stores are material things. So if the event is called, why should a store be closed when it's a material thing? It's not like a person you go to to pray. All of this is a type of justification for what the Saudis plan to do. And then we have the Saudi cabinet of ministers saying that they will not permit any slogans or any expressions that are political or that are denominational in nature during the Hajj. And they threaten that they will take the necessary measures for anyone who raises any type of statement that has a political meaning to it. We've covered this territory before. Al-Bara'a min al-Mushrikeen. And you, Muslims, who still have some 
integrity and some honesty in you, you ask yourself, what happened from 30, 40 years ago when al-bara'a from al-mushrikeen was a main feature of the hajj to now becoming just a whisper in the hajj? What happened? Or you want to sweep this under the carpet and think no one has eyes and ears and minds to work for them. Then we have one of these scholars in Saudi Arabia. I don't want to describe his racial features. Some of our listeners may become a little upset if I do. But I'll give out his name. His name is Al-Kalbani. If you don't know, last Monday, the new Saudi Arabian ambassador to Washington presented her credentials. It's the first time in the history of that country that a woman becomes an ambassador. And we have nothing against women becoming ambassadors. Don't confuse the issue here. This is not a feminine, masculine issue. This is strictly an issue of principle and politics. So why do we have this Kalbani, this famous preacher over there who's under the wings of the Saudi ruling family? He begins to concentrate on the Queen of Sheba, Malikat Saba, and how she rescued her country from damaging consequences. And then Al-Kalbani adds to his presentation favorable words about Khadija, the Prophet's wife. May Allah's blessings be upon her. How she comforted, comforted her husband, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. How she was in total support of him. How she was like a refuge for him when he was under pressure. All of a sudden now they discover the worth of a, of a female, of a woman. When they want, when they appoint a woman ambassador to Washington. Before they took, made that decision, women were thrown under the bus. You see how fanaticism, what fanaticism does to us. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah wa arina al-baatila baatilan warzuqna ijtinaabah wa la taj'alhum ultabisan alayna وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا رَبَّنَا إِنَّنَا سَمِعْنَا مُنَادِيًا يُنَادِي لِلْإِيمَانِ أَنْ آمِنُوا بِرَبِّكُمْ فَآمَنَّا رَبَّنَا فَاغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا وَكَفِّرْ عَنَّا سَيِّئَاتِنَا وَتَوَفَّنَا مَعَ الْأَبْرَارِ ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة 
إنك لا تخلف الميعاد ربنا صلي وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وصلي وسلم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعما يعظكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة Allah, <laughs> 